0: College football is here. This week on CDHF, I'm breaking down some of the big matchups. We got some NBA and NFL news as well. Very brief thoughts on Urban Meyer and Manu Ginobili. Cam Derby has the floor goes now. Cam Derby has been watching and listening to sports his entire life. Now, it's time for Cam to say what he thinks. For the next 45 minutes, Cam Derby is coming to you live. Well, technically pre-recorded and edited from his bedroom studio in Eugene, Oregon. Cam Derby now has the floor. Cam, take it away. Righty, then, just like that, week two is here and it's college football week. It's the most amazing time of the year. Like I said last week, this is my absolute favorite time. I have never been more excited for college football, NFL, and NBA all at one time. I am Cam Derby and I have the floor. This is going to be the most hyped season of my entire life. I really, truly cannot wait. So much happened this week in news. Uh, But I do want to get to some things that are going on with me first. Cam Derby Has the Floor is available on Facebook and Twitter and camderby.com right now. A little update on Spotify and iTunes, though. I am currently waiting in limbo. So even though it said that uh, it would be on Spotify and iTunes, the site that I use to put these up, um, apparently Spotify takes two weeks to approve a show and put it on. So I kind of just have to check in every day to see... If it's popped up in the directory, as soon as it does pop up in the directory, I will tweet it, I will put it on the Facebook page, I will put it on the website so that everybody knows that you can easily get to it on Spotify, but as of this moment, it is not there. I am recording this on a Tuesday, so maybe by the time this episode goes up, it will be back up, but I will keep you updated on what's going on with that. You can follow me on Twitter at Cam Derby SC, camderbysc c a m d e r b y s c. The Facebook page is called Cam Derby Has the Floor, pretty easy, and camderby.com. You can see everything that's going on with me, all the coverage of Oregon games that I do, all the stuff I'm doing at my internship. Um, big news with the show: our first guest in Cam Derby Has the Floor history will be here. Raymond Hill, MMA fighter, making his pro debut at Prime Fighting 11 in Ridgefield, Washington on October 6th. I will be interviewing him on the show here on October 3rd, and I will also be interviewing him the week after. Um, basically just talking about his workout, how much he loves the sport. It's going to be really fun. This guy is a dog. I'm telling you, you want to follow this guy. Uh, Raymond Hill, you can follow him on Instagram at Raymond Leonard Hill. I will be guesting on Spent the Rent Podcast hosted by Self-Esteem Boat Willie on September 16th. Uh, this guy is a good friend of mine. Uh, he cut my hair several times. He, uh, I know him uh, through the barbershop that he uh, works at. Lot, lots of cool barber talk, and that's kind of what his show is is kind of like, is that, that barber room kind of feel. Spent the Rent Podcast, he interviews uh, people that are in their profession for the passion and not for the money. It's a really great show. You should check it out. Uh, you can follow that uh, Spent the Rent podcast on Spotify, iTunes, and Facebook at Spent the Rent podcast. I will be there on September 16th. I did catch up on Hard Knocks this week, uh, last night to be exact. I watched episodes 2 and 3. I know that uh, I'm a little bit late for episode 4, but I am up to episode 3 now. And I gotta tell you, there's some things that I like that the, the Cleveland Browns are doing. There's some other things that I don't necessarily... Uh, love about their coaching staff. Antonio Calloway got in trouble. He he was not arrested, but he was pulled over for marijuana possession and driving on a suspended license. And I didn't think that the way the coaching staff handled that situation was that awesome. He gets pulled into a meeting and basically given a cushy little meeting where Hugh Jackson says, "You know what? I always give people mulligans or whatever," and. You got to tell me the truth and it can't happen again. But then when Callaway gives the apology in the, in the meeting room with all of the players, he gives a really cushy, non-genuine, in my opinion at least, non-genuine two-line apology, three-line apology. Hugh Jackson lets him sit down. And then he roasts the entire team for what's going on with this kid. I, I didn't think it was fair at all. I didn't think it was justified at all. It was kind of ridiculous, in my opinion. Um, How can you roast the whole team? How can you give the entire meeting room a harder talk than you gave to Callaway himself? So they did punish him continuously later. They made sure that he played every single snap versus the Buffalo Bills, even though he had that mega touchdown run. He had to play every single snap, which was extremely tiring. And I totally agree with that. I think that they were totally in the right for doing that. The kid has to face some sort of punishment. But I just didn't agree that they basically roasted the team as an entire group, and then they just let Callaway walk away with pretty much a slap on the wrist uh, until he had to play in Buffalo. Other things that that I take away from the Cleveland Browns training camp, uh, the players seem to have changed the culture. The, the coaching staff has changed the culture where they compete with each other now, and they... They're just always competing. That's all you can really say. I've never seen the Cleveland Browns training camp where everybody is always competing. They always seem to be very uh, complacent with what's going on. But they seem to have changed that culture. But the coaching staff seems to be on a divide. There was one moment where the offensive and defensive coordinators were yelling at each other. The offensive coordinators were saying, a good team doesn't touch the quarterback during training camp. The defensive coordinators were yelling back, then block somebody, then block somebody. Block him and make sure they don't touch the quarterback, which in my personal opinion, I agree with being able to rough a guy up a little bit. Of course, you're not going to hurt the quarterback, but I don't see any reason that you can't tap him and make your, your presence felt. Hey, you need to get rid of that ball faster. You either need to get out of the pocket, make a completion or scramble out of the pocket so that you're not... You know, it's, it is it is all on the offensive line to block the quarterback, but the quarterback also has to feel that presence, especially a rookie quarterback like Baker Mayfield, who's learning the speed of the game. I personally think that you should be able to put your hands on him at least a little bit, and the offensive coordinators didn't feel that way. But to see the coaching staff completely arguing with each other across the sideline and not being on the same page. I, I thought the same thing when Hugh Jackson told the staff about Josh Gordon not being there, it kind of seemed like Hugh Jackson just decided that it was okay for Josh Gordon to not be there without telling anybody, and then he just told them out of nowhere right as training camp was starting. And then there was another scene uh, in the first episode where they were arguing about uh, how they were going to go about punishing players for being lazy and lackadaisical, and Hugh Jackson was talking about Uh, if they were going to play injured players or not in the preseason. And one coach felt as if they needed to push the players so that they didn't get to a point where they just thought that they could sit out if they they had minor injuries. Hugh Jackson's saying that he's going to get the team how he wants it to be. Very same episode, Javaris Landry is upset with the wide receivers for the same thing that they were talking about in that meeting. He's saying that they get injured just a tiny bit And then they just sit out and Javaris Landry feels like unless you're broken, like completely broken, you need to be out there practicing because it's training camp and they got to get better. It just seems to me as if the team as a whole, they're competing and they're changing the culture. They're on the right path, but they also are not on the same page, which would worry me a little bit going into the regular season. There's only a week left and nothing seems to have changed in three weeks. Here's an idea for you though. I absolutely love what hard knocks does hard knocks is an absolutely brilliant idea i love seeing the behind the scenes of these training camps and of these game time situations it's absolutely amazing watching what these players go through every day but hard knocks tends to do uh, training camps that are in the middle of a rebuild and i would absolutely love to see i would love to see a good team go through this like a new england patriots or a Philadelphia Eagles, or a a team coming off of a Super Bowl, or even a a mediocre team, not teams that are just in the middle of a rebuild. I think if every team could put something together like this on their website that was sold individually, it would benefit every team uh, financially, and I think it would give the fans a great insight into how each team works and how each team puts things together. But there are certain coaches that just would not allow it. Uh, Bill Belichick is not going to have cameras around his practice all of the time, um, unfortunately. I think it would be such a cool thing to be able to see Tom Brady in the day-to-day, to uh, to see guys like Ben Roethlisberger in the day-to-day, Cam Newton. These guys that are proven winners. It would just be so much fun to watch your favorite team go through a hard knock situation. I think all of us want to see our favorite team go through that situation because hard knock has been brilliant every single time it's come out. Um, It's going to continue to be brilliant. I'm interested to see uh, what their subject will be next season. But come on, give us some good teams here. Give us some teams that compete every day, that their culture is to win Super Bowls. Teams that have that Super Bowl mentality all of the time. Though Those are the teams that I want to see on Hard Knocks. I think it would be absolutely fantastic. But now, on to college football. College football is here this week, and there are some big matchups. Of course, I'm going to go into Duck Country pretty quick here and uh, touch up on some Oregon football for you, some things that I'm seeing, some things that I'm looking forward to. But uh, i got to tell you, I'm super excited for college football. College football is like one of those days where you wake up at 9 o'clock in the morning and you watch college football until 11 o'clock at night. It's the best thing ever. It's the best day ever. It falls on the perfect day of the week to watch football. So I can't wait. Um, Let's get right into duck country, though. I'm expecting big things from the Oregon Ducks this year. Uh, depending on if Justin Herbert is healthy. This is duck country. (laughs) Oh, boy, here we go. Oregon Bowling Green on Saturday at 5 o'clock. I will be in attendance and providing Facebook Lives on Cam Derby. has the floor's Facebook page if you want to look into that. Justin Herbert, defense. Check those two off, and Oregon makes a run at the Pac-12. Jim Leavitt brought this defense up a couple steps last season. Can he do it again and make the defense elite? That is a big question. That's something that I am really watching for. These first three games and the first game against Stanford. The first conference game, I should say, against Stanford. At the end of the day, the Oregon offense has always provided. That's how it's been the last 12 years. The Oregon offense will always provide you 30 points a game, 40 points a game. Can your defense hold up? Defense wins championships at the end of the day. The defense at Oregon has, in my opinion, always been an issue. They get to points where they cannot stop the run and they cannot play against the bigger competition in the bowl games because their defense just can't stop anybody. It's happened against Ohio State. It's happened against Stanford. It's happened repeatedly. That is what it's going to take for Oregon to make that next step and become a national championship contender again. They have to have an elite defense. Will the Jim Levitt second-year improvement happen? They made great strides last year, and the talent on that side of the ball is just incredible for this roster. But you have to look at that. The other question, in my opinion, Justin Herbert. If Justin Herbert is healthy, this is a really good team you look at the beginning of last season, this is a really good team. But if Justin Herbert isn't healthy, it's not a good team. And losing Royce Freeman is going to create even more of a challenge. Somebody has to step up and be that leader. Ugo Amati has mentioned being that leader already. But I think that Justin Herbert has to be that leader. Marcus Mariota was that leader. You have to be that leader. if The, the quarterback has to be a constant threat to run and to pass if the Oregon offense is to stay open and moving like the well-oiled machine that it is. Justin Herbert has to take that next step to be that leader if he's going to be great in the NFL. I think that that's going to happen. I'm just saying those are the two things that you have to check off. How is this defense going to hold teams on third down? And what is Justin Herbert going to do? The The last thing that, I, that I'm that i looking for... Uh, in the first three games is going to be the second half disappointments from last season and transitioning those to great second half adjustments because last year Oregon experienced fall-offs in the second half like no other. They were up by 40 points against Nebraska non-conference last year. They almost lost that game. They gave up 40 points in the second half. The play calling was questioned a lot last year. I am interested to see What's going to happen with Mario Cristobal as far as play calling, as far as second half adjustments go? Second half adjustments are so important, especially in those bowl games, and I think that Oregon has the, the pure talent to make it to a good bowl game. It's just a matter of that strategical side. How are you going to call plays on the offensive side? Is this defense going to be able to stop teams on third down? The Oregon linebacker crew is incredible. They're deep. The secondary is deep. There is talent everywhere. I don't think that experiencing an injury on the defense is really going to do much. It's not going to be very scary because that, that defense is just deep as all get out. The recruiting has been absolutely incredible for Oregon in these past two years. So, those are the three things for me. Check off the defense. Check off Justin Herbert. Second half adjustments have to be made better. That's what I'm looking for against Bowling Green. Obviously, Oregon goes in as like a 35-point favorite. Portland State the next week. San Jose State the week after that. We're not going to see much um, as far as those things go because they're three cushy teams. Oregon's got to get better scheduling and non-conference. But Stanford, that's going to be the week that you want to watch out for all that stuff because Stanford has been a problem for Oregon in years past as far as... Running the ball right up the gut to where Oregon can't stop it and Oregon not being able to adjust in the second half and be a second-half team. When Oregon was really good, when Oregon was national championship contenders, they would pile the points up in the second half. That's where they were potent. When the offense got everything rolling, got the defense broken down and tired, and then they could just put point up after point up after point up. That's how we saw Oregon demolish Florida State in that Rose Bowl. They got Florida State tired. And then they just laid it on to him. That's what has to happen now. If Oregon wants to be if Oregon wants to look like the team that they need to look like, they need to win these games, these three games, they need to win by 50 points each, probably, 40 points each, in my opinion. That defense has to clamp down and allow less than 14 points a game to see improvement from last year. I know that they're bold statements because it's the first couple of games of the year and the defense is probably gonna have some faults here and there. But I've got to see improvement from the Oregon defense if I'm gonna believe that they're gonna make a run at the Pac twelve. <laughs> now this is where all just the other really fun stuff comes into play. It's college football, it's all day. Are you kidding me? At twelve thirty on ABC on Saturday, we already get number six Washington versus number nine Auburn. This is beyond exciting for the Pac-12 and the SEC. Two potential playoff teams are going to play each other right away. I believe Washington will continue to disappoint in big games versus playoff caliber teams. Washington is a great squad. That being said, they have played the Pac-12 at its weakest time in the last 10 seasons. With Oregon in a fallout, and USC and Stanford consistently, USC, Stanford, and UCLA All continuously overrated, Washington has had a cushy ride in the Pac-12. When they play the higher-level competition, disappointment always follows. No exception on the road this week in Georgia. I think they closed the point gap, but as far as the Pac-12 versus the SEC goes, the SEC is just far superior. That's just how it is. It sucks. It's a hard pill to swallow on the West Coast, but that's just how it is. The SEC always shows up the Pac-12. Washington has, has had to play in the Pac-12. Washington's been good in the Pac-12 when the rest of the Pac-12 hasn't been good. So I, I personally think Washington, just on experience alone, they're going to get better. They're going to close down those point gaps. But on the road week one is hard to win either way. If you're playing a Pac-12 team on the road week one, it's hard to win. If you're playing a Big Ten team on the road... Week one. It's hard to win on the road. Week one. It's hard to beat a team in their home stadium for the first game of the year. I don't think that's going to change this week. Auburn beats Washington, I think probably by 14 points or so. Notre Dame and Michigan. The excitement continues. Number 12, Notre Dame versus number 14, Michigan. NBC 430. Jim Harbaugh is on the hot seat. He has to perform this season. He has to get big wins against top 25 teams, he has to beat Ohio State, and he has to put Michigan in a big bowl, or it's hit the road, Mr. Harbaugh. He has to do all three of those things. I think if he misses one of those things, this guy is just on the hot seat. He has been atrocious against Ohio State. In the midst of what Ohio State is at right now, he has to get wins against rivals, he has to get them in big bowl games, and he has to get top 25 wins. I think he starts with a big campaign win on Saturday. I think Michigan will beat Notre Dame. It will be a close game just because it's week one and it's on NBC and it's going to be a nationally televised game. I think it will be close. I think it will be exciting. But at the end of the day, Michigan is going to come out on top over Notre Dame. Number one, Alabama versus post-Lamar Jackson-Louisville. We don't even have to discuss this. Alabama wins. Number eight, Miami versus LSU. 430 on abc The turnover chain comes back with a mean vengeance. Miami's going to win this one over LSU. How about number 19, Florida State, versus number 20, Virginia Tech, on ESPN at 5 o'clock? By this time, I will be at the Oregon Bowling Green game at Austin Stadium, but I will be following this closely on my Twitter. Willie Taggart loves this school. It is his dream job. It is his debut with Florida State. I watched him change the culture at Oregon In just an offseason, I think the same happens here. I think he gets Florida State back on track. However, I did watch bad second halves. A poor midseason amidst a QB injury. Bad second halves, like I just mentioned, against top 20 teams. Which resulted in losses. If anything goes wrong, roster-wise for Florida State, they will lose. But I think at the end of the day, Florida State will ultimately win a thriller. Very close matchup to open the season in college football. I think they're all going to be close games. Uh, these top 25 matchups. I don't think we're going to see many blowouts. But what a fun day. What What a fun way to start the schedule. Now, we're talking about college football, which means I ultimately have to discuss Urban Meyer. Now, I personally don't think that this should even be newsworthy. But I am going to say a statement on my feelings on Urban Meyer right now, and this is all I am going to say about the Urban Meyer situation. One statement and one statement alone about Urban Meyer and Ohio State. The punishment for a man who has allowed someone who abused a woman to stay on his staff for so many years is given a three-game non-conference suspension. A suspension in which Ohio State will play Oregon State Rutgers and number 16 TCU. Two games where Ohio State wins based on talent alone, no matter who the coach is. He will also be allowed to run practice during those weeks. This is an embarrassment for the Ohio State University and its football program. It is despicable that winning football games has been deemed more important than the law and the respect of women. The apology offered by Urban Meyer on Twitter was far too little, far too late. Actions speak much, much louder than words, and the actions taken by Urban Meyer and the Ohio State University sound like thunder this week. And that is all I have to say about Urban Meyer. How about a little NBA talk? little NBA talk sounds pretty fun. Haven't done some NBA talk for a little while. Happy retirement, Manu Ginobili. The end of an era. Truly the end of an era. The amount of memories I have watching the San Antonio Spurs, just incredible. I think every kid uh, that's my age, at least, when we were in elementary school, wanted to be one of the San Antonio Spurs, at least for a little bit. Manu Ginobili says on Twitter, Today, with a range of feelings, I'm announcing my retirement from basketball. Immense gratitude to everyone, family, friends, teammates, coaches, staff, and fans involved in my life in the last 23 years. It's been a fabulous journey, way beyond my wildest dreams. I gotta say, the Spurs were a testament to team basketball. They were never selfish. They remained a unit, and they did things as a unit. Tim Duncan, Monty Ginobili, Tony Parker, and Greg Popovich provided some of the most amazing basketball memories with Parker's and Ginobili's exit that officially comes to a close. I personally would just like to say thank you to the San Antonio Spurs, Ginobili, Parker, Duncan, Popovich, for providing some of the most amazing memories of my basketball viewing life, to the, the memories they gave to the NBA fan base, and the role models that they've been to our kids. I don't have any kids, but I understand the importance of uh, the role that athletes carry, and these guys were a... They were the pinnacle, I should say. That's what I'm trying to say. They were the pinnacle of role models. They were the pinnacle of team basketball. They were the pinnacle of sportsmanship. And it was an absolute fun time to watch them with Tony Parker going away. And Greg Popovich now the only one left remaining there. Um, It's kind of sad. I'm not even a Spurs fan, but it's kind of sad to see all of these players that you grew up with. Kobe Bryant's gone now. Monty Ginobili's gone. Tim Duncan's gone it's it's kind of strange Peyton Manning's gone all these guys that you that you grew up watching Paul Pierce they've all they're all going on to retire and it kind of makes you really be grateful for the things that you're watching for the players that you're currently watching speaking of the players that we're currently watching Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward could play full speed today if they needed to according to Danny Ainge I think that's a little drastic I mean I'm no doctor but To play full speed in a game situation. Maybe a little intense for right now. But they are ready to go for training camp. And that means that the Eastern Conference. Best be terrified. Of the Boston Celtics. And the Toronto Raptors. Getting Kawhi Leonard. Just because LeBron left. I think everybody's saying that the East. Is going to be nothing now. That LeBron James left. But if you look at the young talent. From these teams. The the, the Toronto Raptors. The Boston Celtics. And the Philadelphia 76ers. Those three teams are are going to go at each other. And it's going to be a blast to watch. I do agree that those, it's down to those three teams. But the Philadelphia 76ers are a very young team, and they're going to be a franchise. The Boston Celtics are a very young team, and they are going to be a franchise. What if Kawhi Leonard falls in love with Toronto the way that Paul George did with an OKC and ends up staying in Toronto? Now all of a sudden, it's a three-headed dragon in the Eastern Conference. The West is obviously going to be Probably a little bit funner to watch with LeBron over there. The Lakers will be good. Everybody chasing the Warriors. I believe that Oklahoma City's going to be good. But gosh, I don't think that the Eastern Conference is in such a horrible shape as everybody thinks that it is. The Milwaukee Bucks are going to be even better than they were last year. They're a very young team, and they're going to be a franchise. So, I mean, you could look at it as, as a four-team race for the number one seed next year and for the, the NBA Finals to challenge the, most likely the Warriors or the Rockets. But gosh, man, LeBron James could take the Lakers all the way up into the, into the Western Finals, n- knowing what LeBron James does with teams that um, aren't necessarily prepared to make runs to the playoffs. So I don't know why everybody is freaking out about the Eastern Conference. I think it's going to be funner to watch than it has been in a really long time because we've just known that LeBron James was going to go to the finals. Now there's actually going to be competition in the Eastern Conference. So why is everybody losing it? I don't understand it. Anyways, that's that. That's my thoughts on, on the NBA. I'm super excited for the NBA. I've mentioned it several times in this episode already. It, college football, the NFL, and the NBA all at the same time this year is just going to be so much fun. It's just going to be so much fun. I can't wait for October. Check out Dez Bryant. Dez Bryant may not sign until later in the year, he says on Twitter. But I'm just jumping around at this point. Des Bryant visited the Cleveland Browns after being released by the Cowboys uh, this offseason. And he didn't sign a contract. And then there was some rumors floating around that he might think about New England. But now he says that he's probably not going to sign until later in the year. He says that he will play football, but it's most likely not going to be until the end of the year. Or later in the year, I should say. Come on, Des Bryant. Now here's all I'm going to say. Des Bryant had one of the worst seasons of his career last year and then he was released and now he's not going to sign with a team until he gets the exact kind of contract that he wants. Do you want to play football or not? That that's the question right now. In the NFL you have to prove that you can continue to play at a high level. He doesn't he wants to sign a one-year contract as I've heard. He wants to sign a one-year deal so that he can restructure and get the big money later. But that's clearly not working out at the moment, so we are going to not see any of Des Bryant for a little while. I personally think this guy should bite the nail, bite the bullet a little bit, take a deal that he doesn't necessarily love right now, and prove to everybody that he's still the Des Bryant that everybody wants him to be. That's what should happen. I thought the Cleveland Browns, they were a great location for him. Now, everybody would say... You never go to Cleveland; they destroy your career. But look at the targets that they have on that team. They have Josh Gordon, and Jarvis Landry, and Najoku. This guy could be sing. This guy could have single coverage all of the time. And if he doesn't have single coverage, somebody else has single coverage, and his offense moves smoothly. Cleveland could be a perfect spot for him, but he doesn't want to do that. He wants people to sign Des Bryant as Dez Bryant was in years past, even though he's not performing like Des Bryant was in years past. That's not how the NFL works. You're gonna have to hold out for, for a while. What's good for Des Bryant is that this quote-unquote holdout is what I would call, he's holding out from signing with teams until he gets the type of contract that he wants. He's not acquiring any fines. We see Earl Thomas and Khalil Mack just piling up the fines because they, they're unhappy with their contract and they're holding out from training camp and from practices. But I mean, gosh, Des Bryant, you you have opportunities here. You have big opportunities and if I had those kind of opportunities, I sure would be snatching them up. That's for sure. I feel like most NFL fans feel that way. If we had those kind of opportunities to sign just a one-year deal and reprove yourself, even though the contract may not be as great as it is for you, it puts you in a much better spot than most Americans are in. So, plus you continue to be able to use your platform to show how great of a person you are. How about the record-breaking contract for Odell Beckham on the other side of contracts here? We just talked about Des Bryant not having a contract. Another wide receiver in the league is breaking records. $95 million contract, $65 million of it is guaranteed. The New York Giants had to do this. They absolutely had to do this. It's so much money, but they had to do it. Unfortunately, it means that they don't get to pay other players very much um, because if Shaquan Barkley works out the way that he is, the way that people think he's going to work out, he's going to be coming for the money later too. But the Giants, it, if, if they want to make this all the way right, they got to find themselves a solution at quarterback because Eli Manning is only going to last so long. I think Eli Manning is on the way down. Eli Manning is on the way out. You just signed a mega target and now you're going to have to go after that quarterback spot and develop somebody so that Eli Manning, when Eli Manning leaves, you can just move that piece right in. But this is something that the New York Giants were trying to get done for a long time. It's something that they needed to get done. This guy is a high caliber player, obviously with the money that he earned. And oh my goodness, show me the money. $95 million, $65 million guaranteed. Imagine finding out that you are guaranteed $65 million to play the game that you love the most in the world. This is a win-win for Odell Beckham Jr. and the New York Giants. Great job to both sides for getting that done. Seattle Seahawks wide receiver Doug Baldwin says that he hasn't felt 100% since he was born. Seattle Seahawks receiver talking about a knee injury that he sustained in July, saying that he is going to be probably dealing with it for the entirety of the season. Now that is a is a pretty good ding for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, the offense which is expected to struggle uh, this season. I'm probably about 80-85% to 85% right now, and the truth of the matter is it won't be 100%, it's just something I've got to deal with for the rest of the season. That's what Doug Baldwin said in a presser, the first presser since he has uh, hurt the knee and that's Russell Wilson's main target. So the Seattle Seahawks really got to consider what they're going to do at wide receiver. They have a lot of young guys that look to emerge. I've been watching the preseason. They did sign Brandon Marshall. Preseason games, they struggle holding on to the ball a little bit. Uh, some of them make some have made some big catches. And that's what Russell Wilson's kind of been about his whole career. Scramble a little bit, get out of the pocket, and toss one deep. That's what they used to do with Jermaine curse they got to find a way. To, they're still finding a way to replace Jermaine curse from when they traded him. I thought that was a bad trade. I thought it was a bad deal. The Seahawks have struggled at tight end. They've just struggled at receiver for a good little while. Um, they, they seem like they always are going to have one guy that's a threat, whether it's Paul Richardson or Tyler Lockett. Really fast, guys, but it never seems to work out. And now their main target, their Pro Bowl target, looks as if he's not going to be around. So now Brandon Marshall moves to that number one spot. It, it will be cool to see Brandon Marshall working with Russell Wilson, I think. Uh, Brandon Marshall had Jay Cutler most of his career. He's a six time Pro Bowler, he's a big time receiver. And I think that it's been kind of an, an underrated move for the Seahawks. Uh, and now that Doug Baldwin's gone down, they, they, they look even better by signing Brandon Marshall there. Jerry Jones said that he would write an embarrassing check to win a Super Bowl. <laughs> uh, Jerry Jones has won three Super Bowls, but he hasn't won one since 1996. Quote unquote here. It would be embarrassing. It would be shocking if you knew the size of the check I would write if it would guarantee me a Super Bowl it would be obscene. There is nothing I would do financially not to get a Super Bowl. This is such a Jerry Jones thing to say. It is so entertaining to watch Jerry Jones run the Dallas Cowboys. I This is exactly why we don't have this is exactly why we have a salary cap. This is exactly why we have a salary cap because we have owners that would pay anything to win the Super Bowl. They would give up all of their riches. For a Super Bowl. I just thought it was a little bit funny. I thought it was worth mentioning. There's not much that you can really say about this story other than Jerry Jones is the only owner that we consistently see on Sports Center or or whatever show it is saying stuff like this. I think it's entertaining. The Dallas Cowboys have been a joke for a little while now and this just adds fuel to the fire a little bit. I wanted to speak up a little bit on the helmet rule and how the NFL referees got together and decided that they will not use uh, video replay in order to review some of these helmet-to-helmet calls, and I think that is an absolute joke. Are you kidding me? The amount of calls that are going to happen this year on the helmet-to-helmet rule, it's absolutely ridiculous. All of the people making these decisions are the people that haven't played football before. You, How are you supposed to hit a guy when he's completely to the ground, pretty much? I mean, some of these running backs get so low that you cannot hit him without hitting him in his helmet. That's what the helmets are designed for. Now, I am totally for suspending players for malicious intent or ejecting a player for malicious intent. But if that's going to be the rule, if, if we're going to have helmet-to-helmet rules, it needs to be reviewed by video replay. If we're going to decide if a guy intentionally did something or not, it, it's just absolutely ridiculous. You're asking these referees to make these calls in real time I dare anybody to go down on the field and make a call at real time and decide if a guy intentionally ran his helmet into somebody or look or completely see the angle of how his helmet comes down completely see the angle of where the helmets make contact you go down there and you make those you make those calls for me and you make them all accurately or you make at least 50% of them accurately, and then you come back and tell me that we don't need video replay. Are you joking me? This is a rule that is going to terrorize the NFL this year. It is going to terrorize defenses. It is going to move offenses down the field so easily. If you've been watching the preseason, these guys get called for ridiculous stuff. These guys get called for next to nothing now. How are they supposed to tackle then? And a lot of the times, these guys are going to get put in vulnerable spots because they're too low to the ground, What? but they're trying to stretch their head up into the air so that they don't get called for helmet-to-helmet, helmet. and then their neck is going to be vulnerable, they're going to get bent backwards, and they're going to get hurt. We're going to hurt players while attempting to eliminate a different injury. It's unreal. If we're going to have a rule like this, it needs to be reviewable It needs to be reviewable by video replay. They need to be able to go to the video and say, you know what, we got that one wrong. I know that it takes an extra three or four minutes, but if it means that we get the calls right, and it means that the team that should win actually wins the game, then that's fine for me. That's absolutely fine for me. Do I even have to explain the game to you anymore? I put unnecessary bleeps into... These players' interviews, they're not actually cursing. It just sounds like they're cursing. Um, if you think that they're cursing and you get offended by it, well, guess what? I have the floor. Here's Watch Your Mouth. And it is for Odell to get an extension, just like it's for Khalil Mack to get an extension. Same. Just like it's time for Aaron Donald to get an extension. Same just like it was for Zach Martin to get an extension. He got his earlier than these other guys earlier this offseason. Same those are four guys from what has turned out to be a really top half of the first round of the 2014 NFL draft. Well, not everyone is pumped about Odell Beckham's new contract. Well, first off, I want to thank everyone for being here today. Uh, we certainly feel that, that we're coming off a very and training camp where uh, i feel like there's a lot of energy and enthusiasm surrounding our program and our players we certainly invested in doing a lot of necessary to take that next step as a program from a disciplinary standpoint as it relates to penalties from a strength and conditioning standpoint my goodness maybe the ducks aren't going to be as good as i thought they were going to be mario cristobal sure doesn't think so i've been raving about how good they're going to be for the last couple weeks but mario cristobal's got completely different ideas from me And a filthier mouth. Well, that's all that we got time for. For Cam Derby has the floor for week two of season two. It was a blast. Thank you guys so much for listening. Remember, camderby.com, at CamDerbySC on Twitter. Cam Derby has the floor on Facebook. You can find all of the episodes all over the place. Thank you guys so much. It's so much fun doing this. I'm having a blast. And uh, it's good to know that people are out there listening. So send me some comments. Send me some emails. Give me some ideas. For Watch Your Mouth next week. Give me some segment ideas. I am very happy to talk about uh, what you guys are thinking about. But at the end of the day, remember, I do have the floor. So I am going to decide to talk about what I want to talk about. But you know what? You know the rules. If you've been listening, you know the rules. We live by one rule in this world. At least we should live by one rule in this world. Everybody love Everybody love everybody. everybody. Jackie Moon's rule. It is not a joke. It sounds like a joke in the movie, but it's not a joke. Everybody love everybody. Please continue loving everybody. everybody throughout the week. And until you hear me next week, this is Cameron Derby signing off. For the last 45 minutes, I've had the floor. But for the rest of the week, you guys have the floor. Thank you for listening to Cam Derby Has the Floor Season Two. You can catch all of the episodes on Spotify as well as at camderby.com. You can follow Cam on Twitter at camderbysc. All of the shows will be archived at camderby.com, where you can locate them at any time. You may also email Cam at camderbysc at gmail.com.